I'm Anya, and I spent decades compartmentalizing and suppressing the different parts of myself. I woke up at age 40 exhausted, confused, and completely out of alignment. These days, I am definitely not your run-of-the-mill bored housewife. So if you are tired of the shame narrative around sex and pleasure, and you're ready to be all facets of yourself, let's create sexual alchemy. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another week. And do I have a treat for you today? Today, we are going to be hearing from a woman named Jules. And Jules recently put out a book called The Making of a Woman. And I am here to tell you that that book describes a woman, a young girl that has lived countless lives in the years that she's been walking this earth. And her story is not only heartbreaking and at times it feels incredibly tragic, but it also feels so incredibly resilient so incredibly beautiful, and so incredibly inspiring. Jules can't be put in a box. She may be a fitness competitor. She may be a recovering alcoholic. She may be into alternative lifestyles. She may be multifaceted in her sexuality and infinitely more things. But Just listen, listen to her talk, listen to her tell about her resiliency and about where she finds her strength. And I hope that you find her as compelling and as inspiring as I do. And hopefully it helps all of us get in touch more with our inner badass, but also our inner softness. And May that softness allow all of us to go deeper and deeper into our own healing. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jules. Uh, Jules, I'm so happy to be sitting here with you. I wish we could be in person, but at least we can see each other's faces via Zoom. Yes, yes. Uh, Well, this, this episode, people, just kind of get ready because we are talking to a woman who has been through the journey of a thousand people in one lifetime, and she's still young and vibrant and just doing her thing in life. And so I am just really honored and pleased to have on the show today, a tremendous young woman named Jules, who has just released a book. And I am just going to turn it over to her now to give us a little bit of a tease about who she is and what this story is about. And then the conversation that flows from that is going to really take us all on a journey. So Jules, the mic is yours. Please tell Uh, us about you and the making of a woman. uh, I am so grateful, first off, to be in this in this position, to be able to share things that used to haunt me. You know, I have a blog that I'd recently written. It's like all of the things that I used to be judged and it was negative have actually become my assets. So it's like this amazing transformation. Like you said, it's like, I've, I've lived a lot of lives in this one time. 
And so, um, you know, we put, we put the book together. Um, we started in the beginning of the year and it, it, it starts from, you know, pretty much day one, you know, I guess it starts around when I was six, but, um, and it, in, in, I take you along and I take you along this journey that I went through. Um, but it is not, it's, it's not a, you know, on this day we did this and it's not chronological whatsoever. It's, it's me explaining things from how it felt inside. Mm. So, so that's the, that's the way we connect, right? Your story is different than mine and his is different than yours. And, but we have that language of love. Yeah. And so that's really, really what I focused on. And so I take you into the depths I take you into the dark places, mm-hmm. but only long enough that we don't stay. We quickly just peek in <laughs> and then we're on our way out because, you know, clearly there's other places we need to be. Um, and then a lot, you get to see this transformation that took place. And in parts of it, to be honest, I didn't even know were taking place, you know, like, so it, it, and, and to read the book and then you get to where, you know, the end of it, it's, I've heard that people are like, I am, I'm sobbing. I have tears running down my face. I'm angry. Oh my God. I'm so excited. And, and I'm super empowered, like all like within a few hours. (laughs) I can certainly say that was my experience. Um, I haven't gotten yet to the empowerment part, (laughs) but I am in the thick of the book and I have just, I've had tears streaming down my face for, you know, the childhood that was experienced and the different iterations of, you know, difficulty going through your young adulthood and, and things like that. And so you're absolutely right. And it, and, and you do bring the reader along with you. I felt like I was there. I feel it somatically in my body. I can feel, you know, these experiences that you had. And I just, I I mourn for that child, but I also see what you as a woman are accomplishing today. Mm -hmm. And I am just so I'm transfixed by like what that journey must have been like for you. And in the book, you share that with us. And I just want to talk more about what that looked like for you, because the transformation was happening so much more on the inside for you than it was on the outside. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just want to hear about that journey, um, you know, without giving all of the details of the book away, you know, talk a little bit about how you go from the childhood that you had to being this woman today who owns her sexuality, who owns so much more than just that and Mm -hmm. and, and the intertwining of your spirituality with your sexuality. What, like, how did that even happen for you? No, right. How do you even, how do you even wish for that? Right. Um, You know, when, with, I kind of look at it like two different phases, right? I had this before recovery And then I have after recovery. And when I look back and I look at that little person that you just referred to, it's like, she was so small and she was so frail. And I mean, she just, I mean, she was a toehead. So there's a super blonde, blonde hair and, and just, just small, always in the shadows. Right. And so as you know, I took those sorts of behaviors that I learned and I brought them into adulthood, right? And so here I am at a very young mentality trying to balance life that I have no idea because I'm still a child, right? And so I'm going into these areas that children shouldn't be going in, you know, and, but, but what happens is, is, and this is the hardest part, I think sometimes, People don't understand, but what I feel it as is that 
I chose my parents. Mm. I believe that I have many lives because I did not learn everything of who I am in mm-hmm. this lifetime. So I chose my parents and perhaps my wish was to learn resilience. Mm. How else would I learn that degree of resilience in order to have part two without going through part one? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a way that I can uh, forgive. Maybe it's a way that I find peace. Um, but ultimately source brought me all the way through. I have yeah. all my limbs, you know, I'm healthy, I'm functioning, yeah. you know, that, that would not have been the case. And go ahead. Well, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, how did you, how did that type of thinking even begin to crawl into your awareness? Like I'm with you multiple lives. I believe in reincarnation. I believe that I chose my family. Mm-hmm. I believe that I have a purpose, a contract, a, a thing that yeah. I'm, you know, that the, this is one continuation of the soul journey that exists within me. Where did that start to creep in for you? That part has always been. Yeah. So what happened is during that phase one, that first part, it was disguised because I had many, many layers of armor, mm-hmm. of protection, right? I couldn't talk. I, that part of me couldn't come out. That beautiful, loving source part. Yeah. Uh-uh, wasn't, it wasn't appropriate. I yeah. really would have gotten hurt. That, that would have been too much vulnerability. Yeah. But then the shift into recovery, and, and it's so much more than just stop drinking and party. It, it, recovery is, you know, the first year they say we physically recover. Like our mm. body, our chemistry, our cells start to, you know, <laughs> become restored. And, and, you know, that second year is the emotional recovery starts to take place. And right around that third year, that's when that spiritual recovery starts mm. to take place. And so over, you know, the course of these one, two, three, and many more years thereafter, I have been able to strip away that armor I once wore mm-hmm. and I go deep. And that's the beautiful thing, because in order to get sober, you got to go deep. Mm-hmm. And so that then has equipped me as I move forward, the ability to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. to be able to say, <laughs> I completely messed this up. Like I completely opened my mouth when I shouldn't have. I need to make amends. I just really fucked this up. I mean, like that's, (laughs) I I have to have that kind of courage and I wouldn't get that anywhere else unless I was peeling that onion back. So, so what's happened is now as I've gotten sober, one of the, here's, I'll stop right here. One of the amazing things. Now I've got all this armor on, I'm protected. I'm very defensive. I'm a woman who's been drinking and drugging for 19 years. Mm. I trust nobody. Mm-hmm. Zilch. I'm getting sober. And one of the things they told me in the rooms of recovery is, girl, you, you got to find something bigger than you. You got to mm-hmm. find something. And I was like, I lived in the Bible belt. I was like, oh, God, please do not <laughs> throw this G.O.D. thing on me. It's not going to work. I'm, I'm, I'm repulsed. And I had come out of one of our meetings. And mind you, I am a, I'm very much in a rage. The majority of my first few years actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I came out in, in outside and it's that hot, that beating sun that, you know, Texas has. And, and all of a sudden I just, this, this whirl of wind, it came around in like, just kind of like wrapped around me, like almost like I was a cartoon character and it was going to take me up mm-hmm. and it just stopped me in my tracks. I was like, that's, that's source. Like there's nobody who can move wind. You can't move air like this. Like no (laughs) human person can do this. Mm. I became so excited Mm. that I had finally, I finally found something bigger than me. Mm. I have chills. (laughs) Me too. That is so 
Beautiful. <laughs> well, and I remember reading in the book too, and I can't remember if it's exactly at what point. I, I believe perhaps it might've been after the suicide attempt that you talk about and that you recognized that the person that you were on the outside was not the soul that you were on the inside. And to be able to, in a moment like that, when you're in such a difficult and dark place, I just am so curious, like what that realization did for you. And is that something that stuck with you? Or is that like, do you remember that now? But at that time, was that really something that, that Jules at that point in her life could keep in mind is that like this external shell that I am is not me. That's not me. No, I do not know that I was wearing the shell, right? Because it just became an extension of who I was. Mm -hmm. And really what it was doing is protecting me and everybody else from that inside, because that inside and that soul, that's the very soft and vulnerable part. Mm -hmm. But I think because of the years of building that armor up, I became further and further detached from it. Mm. They say the longest journey is from the head to the heart. Mm. And now I get what that means. Right. And so I think I, in, in my heart of hearts, like if I would have, you know, perhaps at there at the hospital, right. I, I went to, uh, I was in behavioral health or, you know, on the psych ward for a week, which allowed me seven days to let that armor lay down for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I got a glimpse of it, but it was way too soon for me to lead with that. Yeah. So I picked up a few pieces of armor, put it back on and, and went about my journey. Yeah. Right. So, I, and now on this side, because I don't have to have all of that armor, like I now see, I experience this life differently. I'm no longer in those positions, I'm no longer hanging out with those people. I don't have to carry that much armor around, which allows me to stay in that lighter space more often. Wow. And we know that the more love you give, the more you receive. So it's this, con it's constantly evolving as long as I keep my armor off. <laughs> and that's really hard because it's instinctual. Mm -hmm. It's saved my life. It saved my life. It did me very well. Thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, yes. I think one of the things that we forget as we go through these journeys of life and development, we talk about all the areas of our life in which we hold shame, in which we self-protect, in which we wear that armor. Mm -hmm. And I think we often feel like we have to just throw it all. If we, if we want to evolve, if we want to become woke, if we want to be conscious, we have to let all of that go and, you know, throw it away, like throw the baby out with the bathwater. But totally. what we don't recognize is that really served us. It mm -hmm. served a purpose, that protection you know, those pieces of us, that's how we survived at times. And you, I mean, those things that you survived and the story that you have, you know, lived to tell. Yeah, you, you were really protected in some way, shape or form to come through this the way that you did. But then now to know that like, oh, okay, that's armor. I don't have to carry that with me all the time. And there are circumstances in life when, yeah, we might need to put a little piece of it back on, but then like that doesn't, it doesn't become my skin. It's yeah. just something I can, you know, kind of cloak myself with if I need to for a moment. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a really beautiful way of talking about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can, I put it on temporarily. And sometimes, um, especially once I got married, talk about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to unlearn a lot of stuff. And yeah. so, you know, and I had to let my husband be my husband. Yeah. Because I was used to just doing it all by myself. So it's, it's, I don't think it ever all goes away. Yeah. Maybe it will when I die and pass on to another life. But right. I don't think that, no, it's, it's exactly everything is exactly how it's supposed to be is what I've been told. So if I still have those three layers of armor off on my right side, it's because it's just not time. Yeah. And there's no fault. I mean, we're not going to apply any shame to that. I mean, right. Yeah. I don't, I can't push spirituality. No, it's a being it's yeah. Yeah. It'll move how it moves. Mm -hmm. So you just mentioned your husband Mm -hmm. and obviously you and I have, um, some friends in common within the lifestyle scene and and things like that. And so for people who are unaware um, and hearing you talk, you know, for the first time on this show, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, kind of the dynamic that you find yourself in today in terms of, you know, marriage relationship and sexuality and like how how you got there from where you were, you know? Yes. I use the word unlearn, Mm. unlearn, unlearn, unlearn. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, and it comes with that little package of vulnerability and exposure. I mean, there's a lot of things that you have to apply in order to do that. I think how it happened was of that momentum of peeling that armor back. Mm -hmm. Because when you peel back, you got to turn in. Right. And in getting sober, when they told me the people, places and things had to change it, that sounded extremely scary when I first heard it. Mm-hmm. But then I saw it actually as as that was a gift. Mm-hmm. So when I realized that it was actually a gift that I could people, places and things did have to change, then it allowed me to attract like like-minded or people who had the same authentic center as I do. Mm -hmm. And so, and the more I learned about me and the things that I liked, like Mm -hmm. back when we, you had mentioned about um, the the suicide attempt, I discovered at that point in my life that my favorite color was yellow. Mm -hmm. I just had no, no insight. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you bring that into then adulthood, sexuality, lifestyles, you know, I've always known that I'm bisexual. I think it's because I I have, I'm very fluid. Mm -hmm. And so, and I also, um, I don't get caught up on a lot of social norms. Mm -hmm. In fact, I do everything I can to um, not apply them to me unless they, unless they're really true. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I met my husband, um, I was, I was a femdom. I, I, that was my line of work. I loved doing what I do. And it was also a position of power. And Mm -hmm. so, (laughs) you know, my husband and I started this relationship. He, he actually popped me up on the counter one day and said, you know, I'm going to need 50, 50. And I can't tell you how deep my heart dropped. I was struck like, are you kidding me? I could hear my mom in the back of my head. Don't do it. It's a trap. He's trying to conquer you. And I mean, I couldn't even answer the question. We had to follow up like later on Mm -hmm. to be able to just even talk that out further. But, you know, as we, as you know, I asked source for my husband and (laughs) because I I knew that I needed somebody as strong as me who would not, not allow me 
to wiggle out and, and not answer the questions. And, you know, so that allowed me to continue to heal. And so as now, as I realized that there's so much of me that was stuck within the dogma of others that it restricted me on so many things. So once I unlearned some of that, I realized these beautiful assets that I have as a human being. Like, for instance, I have all this skin all over my entire body. Like in a biologist would say, well, yes, that's used for protection. Mm-hmm. But it's, why do I have so much sensitivity? Mm-hmm. That's a gift from God. Why would I not enjoy something that's a gift. Yeah. That's the way I see it. And who I choose to, you know, share that gift with. Yeah. Well, that's, that's also my choice. So my husband and I, uh, we, we proclaim that we have an open minded relationship yeah. because then it keeps you out of a box. Yeah. I don't do well with boxes. Um, boxes almost, I mean, they almost killed me. Sure. When, yeah. So, so anytime, and it's really difficult because a lot of times we have to categorize things like, okay, sure. are you this? Are you that? Are you this? Are you that? And it's like, ah, it was Tuesday. I was that, but I'm a let's over here. I'm this. And it's like, yeah. I, I really, I'm Jules. Yeah. I'm just really Jules and I flow. Yeah. And so my husband had a little bit of a learning curve, <laughs> when he <laughs> met me. but it's really, it's, it's worked out so beneficially to just really remove all those restrictive boxes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That is part of for me, the, the way I came to my own kind of sexual awakening was that I was living in all the boxes, right? And I couldn't allow any of my boxes to intertwine. And because I held to them and cling to them so tightly, I woke up at age 40 and I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I feel bifurcated in a million different directions and I just want to be a whole person. And what does that look like? And, and like you said, you learned yellow was your favorite color. I learned, I enjoyed sex, yeah. you know? And it's like, how, how do we allow ourselves to have these transformational moments where we learn what we like and we actually allow it to be okay? Yes. And, that's and I love point. what right. you said is that you have this open-minded relationship that is just what it is. You make this choice this day because that's what feels right. And you yeah. make this choice this day because that's what feels right. And who cares whether you are this definition of whatever people try to label you as. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for some people, I understand. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's very safe for people to put people in boxes because then you can't surprise me. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what to expect and, and I can put you in that box and, and now I can move along feeling safely. You know, and and I think that is very uncomfortable for people um, until you get the feeling of what it feels like to step out of that box and you're like, I want them all gone. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about your journey going from the traumatic childhood that you experienced, you know, sexually, abusively, all of those pieces to a woman who is making a living as a femdom. Mm -hmm. How were you able to kind of, well, maybe the real question is, did you have to go through any processes of what I call like unshaming the sexual trauma and experiences that you had had in your lifetime? Or were you always able to look at those differently without attaching shame to them? I don't think I ever attached shame to them. This is the first time I've ever looked into this because actually 
that was like, that was then. And this is now it was mm-hmm. that kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of dissociation when the, the events took place. Again, sure. I see things as a gift, not necessarily as a bad thing. Um, and so, no, and I think too, that this is authentically who I was. So perhaps I wasn't sharing it with everybody, but I was sharing it with the people who understood me. Mm-hmm. Hence my submissives who mm-hmm. would come to see me. So we just keep it just like a lot of people do. We keep it behind closed doors. Yeah. Right. And there's no shame when you're amongst like, like-minded people. Absolutely. So. And then was, I mean, for me, as I'm reading your story still, I think, Ooh, how empowering to be in a role as a Dom. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think about the opportunity to have control and autonomy over myself while also being entrusted with another person who's willing to submit to me. And I think how cathartic maybe if I had walked in your shoes, how that might feel for me, maybe it wasn't like that for you at all, but was, was there any element of that in terms of your enjoyment of being a Dom? You know, this is a really good point and I'm glad you're bringing it up because people who don't have the experiences mm-hmm. just have the uh, stigma, right? Mm. Or the stereotypes. So uh, my part in this is sharing my experience. Mm-hmm. So in instead of the stereotype, like, oh, she was abused. And so now as a profession, she's going to harm men. Mm, right. So like this, mm-hmm. right. So it's like, okay, so let's take that and move it on out of the way. Sure. So let's take away all of the physical things that took place and we're going to go inward. So here we have this little girl, she's scared. It's dark. She's alone. She starts moving into, you know, adulthood. She's now getting this kind of attention. And, but so what's happening is she doesn't want that kind of attention. And then as I'm getting sober and I'm realizing that people people enjoy sexual things differently, right? So I'm starting to realize like, yeah, my sex is not normal or the things that excite me are not quote unquote normal, not within mainstream or better yet, not amongst the people who have the guts to be honest. Um, so, <laughs> so what has happened is I've acquired this overwhelming um, appreciation for the underdog. Mm-hmm. For the ones just like I had to do during my years of drinking and drugging is I had to put on this mask and I had to make you think everything was just fine. Mm-hmm. On the inside, I was dying because I couldn't be who I really was. And so as I, you know, as I'm bringing in clients, that's what I'm doing is I'm providing a space that mm-hmm. I thoroughly understand as a, fe- and as a femdom, I'm within the feminine divine. Mm-hmm. And what it is, I can create this space where men can take that mask off yeah. and they are not judged. And there is no obligations and no expectations. Like men have, men have as many stereotypes as women, right? Oh, so I'm not, I'm not saying we have it any easier than they do, but th- so that space then allowed me, like you're saying, to really like care for another individual with the gift that I have mm-hmm. had within. Mm-hmm. And so that power exchange that took place, it, it, it's, it's mind blowing. It's nothing I've ever experienced ever, even within my marriage with it. I mean, that is a special space yeah. because you're as vulnerable as you will ever be. Yeah. It's yeah. So it's, it's, it's totally, 
it's yeah, it's totally not like the stereotypes. It's more, it's more energetic and it's yes. more psychological than anything. And that's what I love to talk about and kind of break down for people because there are there are just so many misconceptions and stereotypes out there about any different any different number of relationship containers or professions within sex work or any of that sort of thing. Um, and I, I love the ability to like have conversation and help people understand like, oh, that's, that's what we see in porn or that's what we see mm-hmm. online that makes us, <laughs> you know, think about something this way. Yeah. But this is really what's happening here. And we have humans with energy and with dynamics and how is it that these interplays help not only not only help us feel whole but Mm -hmm. help us heal and help us express ourselves and all of that and and I just think what you just described is so beautiful because it really is taking into account and showing that this is a this is an energetic um interplay that you have with your clients and -hmm. it's one of trust and it's one of care and it's one that is consensual and it is one that is empowering to probably both individuals involved because Mm -hmm. it because it is that consensual that consensual space um so yeah i find i find Mm -hmm. that really fascinating and beautiful so tell me a little bit about you know kind of in that recovery journey that you were talking about, you know, you talked about, you know, the different years kind of being adding building blocks to like this year, you focused on this, this year, you focused on this. How many years is it that you are now sober today? Uh, I am 14 years sober, 14 years sober. Congratulations. Yeah. And do you find that there's still building blocks that you're going through in this journey or does it is there, a, is there ever a sense of arrival or is it always a continued journey? The arrival was something I had to unlearn mm. because that's what humans program us to believe. Once mm-hmm. I get this job and make this money, I'm going to be fulfilled. Once I get this girl, once I, you know, that. And so I had to unlearn that um, because I've noticed in, in my time is that I, like if I come up against something, a challenge or whatever, and if I don't have what it takes to, to do it and I turn another way, I'll mm-hmm. see it further down the line. Like, okay, Jules, are you, are you ready to look at this now? It's kind of mm-hmm. like, man, you just don't go away, you know? So it's like, it is constantly, and I can actually, I can, if, and I say it, look back here, but it's like, if I go back and look in there, I can tell you what has yet to come up, mm-hmm. what yet has, has to be healed. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is it seems like, it gets louder and louder and louder. And so if I'm not taking it into meditation or I'm not Mm -hmm. journaling about it or talking to my friends in recovery about it, well, then it be, my thoughts become actions. Yeah. And then here now is a situation. It's kind of like Jules, how loud do I need to get? Mm. So, so yeah, it's constantly, but now that I understand that it's not a threat and I'm not failing and there's no judgment, it's my journey. I get to decide when, and I get to decide how, how long, how long do I want to hold on to that? Cause right. I know it's crippling. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, that's so true. I mean, we are, we are the ones who suffer, right. When we hold on to things that we aren't willing to either forgive or let go of. And I think that's, that's so beautiful. And the unlearning of, of things is something we have to go through on a regular process and on a mm-hmm. regular basis. So um, you mentioned some of your spiritual practices, meditation and, and journaling and things like that. Um, 
yeah, what, what is, what are some of your spiritual practices that, that feel like they really aid you in, you know, kind of in life and, Mm -hmm. and for you, how do, how do they need to show up for you or do you need to show up for them Mm -hmm. in order to kind of stay on this path that you, that you are so beautifully on? I navigate through my heart, Mm -hmm. through my soul. And so there is where I am able to feel all the gut feelings. I hear source very loud. Um, I I can see it when it acts out like in a behavior, if I get angry or so, I mean, I become very mindful in that. Um, uh, Yeah. Meditation is huge because it's not what I'm meditating on. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like I'm looking off to the left, you know, and, and source is actually curing and fixing all the stuff to the right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of how it works. It's like, wow, I didn't even expect that was going to get better, you know? Um, And that also heals my body. Like I have a lot of stress. We, we live in a stressful time, Mm -hmm. very stressful time. And so that also then heals my, my physical body as well. Um, I practice different medallions like our medallions like um, uh, theta healing, Mm -hmm. which is also energy healing, which has to do with a a quick little snapshot. The way I try to explain this is, you know, you'll see a comedian and they bring uh, somebody up from the stage and they hypnotize them. And they say, every time I say this word, you're going to bark, you know, Mm -hmm. that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, the crowd goes wild. They have fun. And so then afterwards he has to go back in and like take that word back out. And then give them, you know, so they stop barking every time they hear the word bird. And so, (laughs) so what that is, is you can take that into a therapeutic realm because that's the theta that he's in one of our brain waves. So he's practicing in the theta wave. So if I practice in the theta wave and I can go into the subconscious like he did and remove things that no longer serve me. Mm. So touch, for instance, may equate harm to you. I can go in there and we can change that. And so with, with theta healing, I was able to move so much trauma, mm. so much trauma because stuff is coming up because my will cannot stand in the way subconsciously. Mm-hmm. It's always, it's always, it's always talking. Yeah. So that is a very, I'm, I pra- I'm an advanced practitioner on that. I got a lot of healing on that. Um, and I think that's why source gives us so many different choices of healing people do yoga some people do painting some people you know that's the beautiful thing some people get christianity i mean let's face it there's a lot to choose from yeah and so yeah and no not one is better than the other they they all they all do they supposed to do the same thing yeah they support (laughs) us and they meet us where we need to be met right absolutely yeah yeah and then you have this whole other aspect of your life too where you are in in I think it's bodybuilding competitions. Is this right? (laughs) You are a woman of so many things. Um, Tell tell us about that. How did you get involved in that? And, and, you know, where are you at in that part of your life? You know, we were talking about turning 40. (laughs) 45 this year for me. Girl, I'm crazy. 50 will be mine in February. I will own her. That will be mine. uh, Yeah, you will. (laughs) Um, I turned 40. So I'm five years sober at this point. So I've got my feet underneath me. Like all of the chaos is down. Okay, now I'm going to, I keep changing. I want to change things. I want to change things. And so at the age 40, I was that skinny fat. Mm. I was the girl who was always on the treadmill, run, 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 trying to you know, tone up, tone up. And so I just wanted to get rid of the cellulite on my legs. Mm-hmm. And so what I did, I mean, I went through all of the things that we go through, dieting, blah, 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 all of the crazy trends. 
And, uh, and so I finally stepped foot into a pro bodybuilding gym mm-hmm. and I met with one of those, uh, with a trainer and I, I mean, she didn't have a sliver of cellulite on her thighs. So <laughs> I want what she has and however she got it. And I dedicated, I desperately wanted that change. And so mm-hmm. she gave me a meal plan. I trained with her five days a week. I didn't step off that meal plan till well over a year. No wow. cheats. I always ate all my food. I drank all my water. I mean, I was desperate. That's how bad I wanted this change. And so, you know, and then what happens, you kind of outgrow a trainer and then you go to the next one and, you know, kind of like school, you go to the ninth grade, 10th grade. So this is happening throughout. And so then the next trainer that I get down the line says, Hey, you want to do a show? What the hell? Let's do a show. And I was like, Oh my God, am I, I, can I do a show? And so I went up and and girl, there were three contestants or competitors and I took third. So, I mean, I was like, but I did it. And you did it. I did it. I blew up the pictures. I mean, I was, I I took first place in my head. Um, And so this is, uh, you know, moved on. And so last year, actually, I said, yeah, I want to do another show. Cause you know, as you get older, you go into uh, age brackets. So I'm thinking, you know, if I do this even older, there's going to be less competition. I want to be able to do this, (laughs) but that's really not the truth. But so, (laughs) so I did a show last year and I did okay in, in the, in the particular division. And then one of the judges called my coach and said, you know, there's one show left this year. I think she would do really well in figure, Mm. not physique. And so my coach calls me and, you know, after you prep and deplete and do a show, the last thing, the last thing you think of is going back out there and doing it all again. And it right. was 12, it was 12 days later. So I had to really stay in that prep. And um, I did the show. I mean, I was, I was drained, but I yeah. did the show and I knocked it out of the park. I took a first, a second and third overall. Wow. And it qualified me for nationals. Mm. So I went to nationals this year and it's North America. So it's Canada, North America, and Mexico. Oh, wow. So I went up against some of the most amazing athletes who've been athletes all their life. And I, I placed in the top three. Wow. To come a third and I earned that third. Yeah, you did. (laughs) (laughs) That is so incredible. So it's it, nothing I ever expected. I just wanted to get rid of the cellulite off my legs. Is there anything you have done in your life that, well, you've done so many things in your life. <laughs> I was going to say, is there anything that takes that much dedication, but getting sober does and doing all these things. So y- you yeah. are a woman who really just can truly dedicate yourself to things that you want badly. And I think I was taught that when I had to do anything to stay alive. Yeah. So I think that is one of the gifts Mm. of resilience that I learned there because I can, when, when I dive, that was probably one of, I mean, prepping for that show, national show, it was, it was daunting. I was ready two weeks before. So those last two weeks, I'm like, screw this. What am I doing? You know, a lot of emotion. Um, but I, I didn't know how to swim and now I'm a rescue scuba diver. I mean, so there's just, yeah, it's like if I, I it's just this, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't even seem right. Like when you think, but think about it, but it's just like, 
I am led by my heart. Yeah. Right. So I don't sit down and try to figure things out. I feel things out. And so when something comes up and I really want to do it, there's usually a line of fear before it. Absolutely. I've walked through fear all my life. Yeah. So the fear doesn't become as intimidating. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. 12 weeks of prep is insanely uncomfortable. Yeah. But how bad do I want it? Yeah. So I have that drive. And so, yeah, I've been able to, sources navigated me in areas that I would have never guessed. My God, look at this book. <laughs> I was going to say, you're an author, you're a scuba diver, you're a fitness model and comp- competitor. Yeah. You are a femdom. You are all of these things of which the labels don't matter, but, yeah. but you are living life through your heart and it's taking you to all these different avenues. And I just think it is so incredible. Yeah. And so what have you not done? Like, what is next? Is there a next? <laughs> we have not. My husband and I are sailors. I have a day skipper certification, which means of I can course. sail a boat. Um, but I'm telling you, let me just back up. If I'm, I do not look pretty doing these things. I'm telling you, the learning <laughs> curve is like straight up. <laughs> just saying. It yeah. doesn't come easy. I've always struggled learning things. Uh, I dropped out in ninth grade. I did not have that traditional, you know, upbringing of how to learn. And so, so things are a little different when I do try things, but my husband and I want to circumvent the world. Mm. And so during, uh, after retirement, we will, um, we sail now, but we will have our final, the, the end boat and we, we're just going to live, we're going to live on the water. And that might go on for like five years, Yeah, you know, five, six years. We're just going to, we're just going to go. There's so much healing on the ocean. It is unbelievable. The tranquility that can be found just being in a boat. It's miraculous. It sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so what, what wisdom, what nuggets, what things have we not talked about that you would want to make sure to share with people about you or about your journey, about, you know, kind of all the things, what are, what are some things that I haven't asked that you feel like you'd like to share? You know, just like in summary, if I would have known like what I would tell the girl, my younger self, Mm. right. My heart just, it's, it's, my heart just drops for her. Um, I would tell her that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. You, you are not messing up. You are exactly where you're supposed to be doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. Keep going. And as for people who are not in that desperate level of life, Mm -hmm. I challenge people to unlearn, unlearn the tapes that we have been programmed to live unlearn the fact that because like I say, there's no wrong way to be a woman, right? You know, um, just unlearn the stereotypes and the stigma and let's get to the core of who we are. We are such beautiful beings like you and I sitting here talking and my heart is open. And I mean, I've gotten chills numerous times during our discussion. I mean, this is what I live for. This is it. And that required me removing all of my judgments all of my fears that she might be better than me, or what if I say the wrong word, or what if I, what if I, what if, 
right? Mm -hmm. Like all of that, I peeled that back and I learned through that and I healed through that. Mm -hmm. So now I can really experience you mm -hmm. in this conversation and this moment at, at, at its highest potential. You know, that's where I want to keep going in life. I want to, you know, my goal would be to be able to drive without getting angry. <laughs> I think we'd all feel like we have really <laughs> transcended. <laughs> if any of your listeners know how to do this, I need you to, to speed dial me right now. Like I need right. to know how did you learn how to do that? Right, right. No, I think that's yes. like the pinnacle of awakening. <laughs> I bet Eckert Tolle can drive without getting totally. angry. He doesn't drive himself now, girl. He's got some else <laughs> driving him. <laughs> I love it. I think you're going to get there. I think oh, you're going to get there. Well, you're going to be in the side. All my girls are going to be coming along with me because I can't <laughs> do this by myself. <laughs> uh, we're all in it together. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Jules, thank you so, so, so much for your time, for sharing your gifts, for sharing your story, for sharing everything that you do so open-heartedly. I just am so grateful for the time we've gotten to spend and for your story getting out and inspiring the masses with resilience the gifts of all of the things. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. Thank yeah, you. Me too. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs>